This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Joe Simons is a co-founder of SaltStrong, a subscription-based fishing community that focuses on education and creating memories on the water. Joe and his brother Luke left their lucrative business and finance to pursue their dreams of starting a fishing company. In this episode of Anchored, Joe and I discuss the hard knocks of starting a fishing business, the perks to being part of a fishing community, the credit card test, and catching snook from a third floor balcony. First of all, thank you very much for having me on your show. We're doing a podcast swap right now. Yes. And, uh, geez, so when did you and I do that video with me looking like I got a crazy ass mullet haircut? What was that? Well, that it was, was like 2 a.m. in Australia. Yeah, I was, I was so, uh, I was blown away first and foremost that you did it. And it was like four years ago, we had just started Salt Strong and we sent out like 100 emails multiple times to like 100 people we wanted to get on. And pretty much everyone rejected us except for 16 people. And you were one of 16. And like Peter Miller, Tom Rowland, some really big names like blew us away saying yes. And so ever since then, we've been massive fans. Like if Aww. April ever needs anything, like we got Thank her back. You. So like, <laughs> I mean, you took a risk on us. And obviously, I it mean. It wasn't a risk. You guys were so much fun. Well, a risk of your time. Oh, uh, we did have on. a blast. But still, yeah, you're like two in the morning, Australia time. Right, like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that was four, four years ago. That was. I know. Jeez. Well, listen, I don't know a whole lot about you. Okay. I know enough that's on, you know, on the, on, on the front uh, or on your website, but yeah. I don't know anything about you at the core. So let's start from the beginning. Let's do it. Where were you born and raised? Born in Tampa, Florida. So I'm actually one of those people. And my dad was born in, in central Florida. So my son now is 
third, really kind of fourth generation. My grandfather came when he was a couple years old to Florida from Chicago. So like we have Florida in our blood. All of our best memories were around the fishing, around the water. And so my grandfather had a little condo in South Daytona Beach. It's what we did every summer. Like, you know, basically you get a three-month break here, and at least you used to. And we would spend all three months there. And he taught us how to tie knots, taught us to go out and catch, you know, whiting and some pompano occasionally on the beach. And like all our best memories growing up were at that beach house. Right. And we had it for 30 years. I mean, it was pretty awesome. And, you know, now we're to the point I have kids now and we're starting to do similar things. And our grandfather passed away. And that was a big, that was like a big aha moment to what we were doing. Because we had Salt Strong and just a couple years into it, he passed away at 94 years old. So it was like a celebration. Someone makes it that long and gets to see their great grandkids. I hope we're all that lucky, right? Yeah. So we're going around the table kind of like this. We're all having some beers with the family. He's got 12 grandkids there. And every one of them experienced time at that at that beach house. And we're all going around, like, just telling stories. And every single story, like, literally every story revolved around that beach house. Like, those were the only real memories we had of him. Because he was a busy guy, and we had our lives. And so Luke and I were like, man, like, afterwards, like, dude, we're not really in the fishing business. We're in, like, the memory-creating business, right? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. in some of those things, we didn't even catch fish. I mean, we had stories. My dad stepped on a stingray out there. We were, like, just the funny stuff. And the, those are our best memories of a guy who was on this earth for 94 years. And so that was like a big shift for us in in our business of not focusing so much on catching fish, but just getting families out there, creating memories together and experiences. Oh, that's so cool. So how old are you? 40 years old. Are you 40 now? Okay. And how old's your brother? 38. Okay. So you're the older brother. Yes. All right. And both of you fish growing up? Oh yeah. That was... that, And the dream was always to have a fishing company. Sure. What what kind? What was your guys' ideal dream? A fishing company. But what kind? We had no idea. Did we you st- want to be a guide? Like, oh, no, 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 Who no. did you look up to? Who no, was your no. guy? Well, I mean, you know, we grew up watching Bill Dance. And, oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. So we, we were freshwater guys. So we were born in, you know, I was born in Tampa. We, we went to high school in Winter Haven, which is close to Orlando here. We grew up on a lake. And so my brother was the kid. My brother was hardcore. Like he's a much, I'm not that good of a fisherman, just to be honest with you. Okay. I, I'm, I, lo- I have the passion. I love telling the stories and I want to get more families out fishing. He is the fisherman. He's the tournament guy. Does he have kids? No. Okay. Another reason. You got know, it. You yeah. got a kid now. Things change. It certainly does. But not in the way that you think though. It is so much fun getting skunked now. Like we still fish really hard. Her yeah. and I fish together a lot. Yeah. But it used to suck when I didn't get a fish, but now it's like her and I are starting fires, eating hot dogs and picking leaves and turning over rocks. It's super fun. Doesn't it makes it makes you more curious again, right? It's that because I used to ignore all, yeah, I used to ignore all this stuff, and now I'm like, oh, it's a turtle. Let's go pick it up and like check it out. Like snails, the small stuff that I take for granted now is like with the kids. Yes, a dip net. It was the best investment of my life. So my four year old <laughs> daughter, she doesn't. My my oldest daughter loves like she really like asked to go fishing. Yeah. My four year old is kind of a princess. Just kids are different. Yeah. But she loves going outside, and I gave her a bright pink. Dip net, a $9 dip net from Walmart. She doesn't even want to hold a fishing rod, but she loves that. She catches the little minnows and tadpoles in the lake that we live on. Like, it's the best investment ever. That's how I get her out there with us. That's right. So she'll just pluck stuff off. And, and that's, how I, that's how I started. Dip net. With, with, well, I, I created, I made a net. I took my mom's old nylons yeah. and a hanger. <laughs> And I put the nylons over the hanger and I go out and catch tadpoles and salamanders. Oh, the original saying that. That was, I mean, that, that got me started, right? I love it. But you know, I wish that people would stop saying that it's going to change you because that's really scary and daunting. What it really is, is for me anyway, it's, 
I wish someone had said to me, you're about to have the most badass little new buddy in your life that you yeah. never knew that you could possibly enjoy so much. Because yes. change is a really scary word for people who don't like change. All this to say, it's not that you're not as good of a fisherman. You just have better friends than he does. Yes. Little ones. Yes. Little friends with and, pink and- nets. So in high school, he he just loved it more. I was I was chasing girls and playing a lot of sports in in high school, and so I slept in like to the last second to get to school on time. He would wake up at five in the morning almost every day and went bass fishing. So he it was a badge of honor to have that bass thumb. His thumb was literally ripped up every single day. Like he, yeah, he, he's that good. Like he was known as the fish whisperer in, in town. Like everyone's like, if you want to catch fish, go with Luke Simons. He's just he's always had that gift that okay. I didn't have, and I don't I, I don't really. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got it. I, I love being out in the boat. I love catching fish. And I catch a lot of fish because of him. I'm not scared to admit that. Did you both go to college? Yes. What did you take? What did he take? So both business. And I was at Georgia Tech oh. and he was at Florida. So we were business. We wanted to go into the finance. So we talked about having a fishing job in high school. And we realized that was a really dumb idea. Yeah. Because Do you tell, I mean, a lot of people listening to this yeah. think it's a great idea because you're in a fishing job now, but why, yeah. at, the, why at the time was it a dumb idea? Um, that's, I guess it's kind of a loaded question because we're now doing it, but there's no way we could be where we are today had I not had a decade plus of real life training and like figuring out and seeing all the different ways to monetize a business. The only option we would have had was to be guides. I didn't want to do it. He wasn't crazy about it. I think it was going to, and you did a couple of really good blogs about it recently. So you yeah, the series about becoming a fishing yeah, guide. And just because you're a good fisherman doesn't mean you're a good guide. Your job at that point is now to get people who aren't good at fishing to catch fish, and you're not fishing as much, or sometimes not at all. Do you think it was that you guys needed 10 years of business experience, or do you think it's that in that 10 years, the times have changed so much now with the internet and social media? That's a great, it's a great question. It's tough to know. Um, I, I do know that we just had zero business plan and we had zero money. So that made it pretty obvious. Like we had no money. We didn't come from a wealthy family, just middle class. And our dad wasn't about to give us money to go start a fishing company. And so the dream kind of died, but we always talked about it. Mm -hmm. And then we were in a a hotel room in Chicago at a marketing conference. And we were now like- Wait, did you guys work together? We did. Okay, what were you guys working in? What was your field? Financial services industry. So think of us like- Like a broker, like we an were more accountant? Of a, we were a wholesaler, so a, a distributor. So you guys have car dealerships. Of stocks? Uh, more more life insurance and annuities, oh, okay. kind of the, the safer side of, of investing. Sure. So long-term care, we were dealing mostly with, with seniors. So our customers were financial advisors. And they were super needy. Some of them were super unethical and we didn't love them. The irony is the ones that I really liked and had the most fun with were into fishing. And guess what we did on like our little incentive trips? We mm-hmm. went fishing and I got to fish in Bora Bora multiple times. I got to fly to Tahiti with my people, Hawaii, you know, caught Marlin and Cabo. I mean, did some cool stuff on the company money, entertaining these top people. And I had a blast, but deep down, we just, we weren't, the words fulfilled, like we weren't fulfilled. We were making yeah. great money. I mean, multiple six figures for a couple of years. That's a lot of money for a 20 something year old. It's a lot of money for anybody, but for a 20 something year old that was single at the time, like, I mean, I lived in a five bedroom house and had all this stuff, but I wasn't happy. Mm. And at that point I was, I was certainly overweight. I was drinking too much. I told you about the anxiety attacks I suffered with for a long, long time. And you know, looking back, like I should have been the happiest person ever, right? I mean, in terms of looking at my resume, if you didn't know me, you say, man, this guy 
grew up in a he's nice got family. It all. Yeah, he he's he he grew up in a nice family. They're still my parents are still married to this day. You know, he's making multiple six figures, lives in a big house. Works with his brother. Yeah. And and yet I was like not happy. I was waking up every morning saying, like, it, it's gotta get better than this. And so circle back to this, we're in the Chicago um, conference and we're up in our hotel, I'm having a beers. And we're like, man, uh, I don't really want to do this forever. And Luke agreed too. He's like, yeah, like I just, it, it was just wearing on us and we weren't happy. He wasn't happy either. Yeah, he didn't love it, but it was good money. Like, you know, it's that chasing the money versus chasing something that makes you fulfilled. And we were making enough money to go out fishing on the weekend. So we were, we still had that happiness and like we talked about it, and we're both Christian guys, and we talked about that on our website, and we prayed over it, and nothing happened. And then, no lie, we had this girl named Amy McElwain. I'll never forget her, give her praise, and I haven't seen her forever, but I never met her face-to-face. And we ran into each other at the Atlanta airport. And it was kind of random. Like, we knew each other. We were messaging, and she's like, hey, I happen to be in Atlanta. Like, cool, I'm here too. Let's, let's go have coffee. And told her kind of what I was thinking. She's like, I got these two guys that might be like a perfect fit like to buy, potentially buy your company. And I was like, really? So she introduced these two dudes. And this is like three months after we were in Chicago. So this happened shortly after. And all of a sudden they made an offer to buy our little company. And we're like pinching ourselves. And then we're, you know, when, when you sell a company, you have something called, you know, a Mm non-compete. Like you can't get back in the industry at all. Depends. How long was it? Two years. Okay. And so all my, they didn't bring you, they didn't want to keep you guys on to help for a bit for consultation. Because they they were pretty sharp dudes. Like they were already doing what we were doing and really wanted our customer list. Yeah. And that it it was a perfect deal. And it was a perfect deal for us to do this. We're like, all right, we had decent money, not what the New Yorkers call the FU money where you can, you know. But it was enough to get by for like two years without really worrying about too much. And so we're like, this is the chance. We've been talking about it since high school. Let's start a fishing company. And we literally spent that night, like we got so excited. This is back in the hotel room. Like we'd already talked about doing this. And so we had a couple names picked out. And now it's now it's like, this is time to do this. And SaltStrong was one of those many domains that we bought. We bought like 30 domain names. Where did you come up with the name? I, I'll give credit to Luke because we were just throwing out random ideas and we bought it for $9.99 on GoDaddy. Were you worried that it was going to pigeonhole you into a saltwater category, considering he's a, I mean, you're freshwater guys? Well, so we grew up freshwater, but our, my brother was at the, at the time on the weekends doing tournaments for saltwater. So redfish, nook, and trout. So he was winning money in tournaments. So he, we, we, we were more passionate at that time in our lives about inshore fishing, not freshwater fishing. Gotcha. Now, okay. Crazy part, not many people know this. Uh, now they will. So the same time we bought Salt Strong first at around that time in Chicago, when we knew we were going to sell the company, we had some cash, you know, coming in. So there was another site called fishstrong.com. Oh, okay. And it was owned by a ba- an ex bass fishing guy, an ex pro, and it had decent traffic. He was selling a few things in there, but. It was um, it was a very controversial site, and anyone who who if you list because it had a, quite a few. I mean, they had like seventeen or twenty thousand people a month were going there, and he was very polarizing. And so we bought it from him. Oh, and paid a lot more money, like to we, extinguish it. To, is, yes, more of a defensive play. Yeah, because we we knew I, we're smart enough to know that we can't be everything to everyone. So we're like, let's start with a niche. Like, let's own. Basically, saltwater fishing, starting with inshore fishing, the same fish that Luke was winning money, you know, catching, snook, redfish, trout, and flounder, and tarpon, and let's own that. And then eventually, we'll go into the bass world and into freshwater fishing, not just bass, not to offend you steelhead and other 
amazing no, no trout and stuff taken. you catch. But you know, for us in in Florida, I mean, bass. It's I mean, we're at ICAST here. You see how much bass controls I the was whole floor. Bass fishing here in Florida two days ago at Lake Okeechobee. I, I saw your I saw your picture on Instagram. <laughs> it was tough fishing. Yes. But what was the business? What were you guys selling? That's the beauty of it. But what did you want to sell? Because it usually starts out different than what it ends up being. So you're going to get a kick out of this. So here was our business plan. This is horrible. Like even thinking back about it. So we knew how to drive traffic online. Like we were blogging. I've I've published a few books in in my old space. So I I love writing. It's something that gives me a high. I wake up early. And if I write, the days I write, just like meditation or anything, like my days are better. And so I was just cranking out stuff, wrote a a lot of content. And we saw all this traffic coming. I was like, let's do the same thing and we'll sell ads. And so we were in month number six. This is shortly after, you know, we, we did the hangout with you. In month number six, we had, I think we hit 500,000 unique people to Saltron.com wow. in our sixth month. That's a ton. That That's was with great. zero paid traffic. That was just cranking out content. And we were really good at SEO because there wasn't much competition because all the fishing magazines, they're horrible in terms of SEO. I'm not talking bad about it. I were, think they'll, they'll admit it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and they weren't even thinking. They were still in print business, you know, four and a half years ago. They're, they're moving over now, but there wasn't much competition to rank for like top lures to catch redfish. And, and we were getting tons of traffic. And it's so like, we're high five. We're like, this is it. We're, go- we're about to make it. And so I got connected to... Um, but what was Make It? Because you guys were used to such a, a heavy income. I know. This is how dumb we were and naive. Oh, okay. And this is a great <laughs> list, a lesson for anyone thinking about going in the, in the, in the business with a false idea of how you can monetize it. And so we just thought, hey, someone's going to love to have that traffic. And they would. I mean, 500,000 people is a lot. So we got connected to Under Armour. Mm-hmm. Like we got some pretty good connections. You only get one shot to talk. It was uh, Col- Colby Folks. He's one of the top dudes for oh, all I of hunting and fishing at believe Under it. They take it. They're a major player in that space. Huge. So he's like the top dude. He's on TV on their, their show. And he gives me 30 minutes of his time and I'm talking to him and I'm, I'm all excited thinking our stuff is like, <laughs> like he's going to be all over this. And long story short, he completely kiboshed it. And he's like, yeah, like we might give you like 500 bucks a month, but it's something like that. It was under a thousand. And I was like, holy crap, like we're not even going to be able to pay our bills, let alone pay ourselves. And I, I called Luke and I was like, I was about to cry. Like I was like, man, uh, this is not going to work, dude. Like everything we built for six months is literally worthless. You were truly thinking just ad space. That's all we thought about. Like okay. we were so focused because we were just, because we, it's worked in the past, right? I mean, some mm-hmm. sites that have a, a hyper niche, like, like saltwater fishing, you can usually find some sponsor that would pay a decent amount of money just to get 500,000 unique eyeballs every month. And he, he, shot it down. The next person shot it down. And like Luke was freaking out too. He's like, man, maybe we can go like buy our company back or like maybe part, like we were literally like, that was like a turning point. We were about to quit. Oh. And not many people know that, but like we talked about it actually at ICAST here with someone who asked the same question. I think it is important for people to know that. Oh yeah. Because I mean, you go through, I mean, I was five years into my business and people thought I was bankrolling. Like they'd be Googling April Vogue worth. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> I was at the point where I was so broke that my dad was like, you need to go get a job at Starbucks Ooh. for real. And I turned it around. Five years in? Five years in. Wow. I mean, it did a mega, mega, literally overnight turned around. I think it was four years in, but whatever. It was the same at the same, at the time it felt like the same thing. Yep. But you ha- I feel like you have to go through those, you know, bumps. Of- have you ever read Think and Grow Rich? Oh yeah. Right. So that's the whole premise of that book. And yep. I don't feel it's failure. I really feel like it's success because yep. you, anyway, you know the story. Oh yeah. So what happens with your story? Yeah. I mean, fail forward is one of our, you know, our main things that we tell all of our employees, like, don't be afraid to 
fail, like look at us, this company wouldn't be here had we not failed over and I'll tell you the next failure. So we had, uh, this is, so this is month six and month seven, we're like freaking out. We've lost the passion. We're just, we were, we're like, we worked so hard. We literally worked every single day. So I remember the first day I took off without actually blogging or like working. It was the end of July. It was, uh, it was lobster season. Hmm. And it was the first day I took off. And like, I'm talking Monday through Sunday, every single day with a wife and a young daughter. And I kept telling her too, like, imagine you're married, you have a child and you're telling your husband, you're telling your spouse, like, babe, this is going to work out. And I'm already six months without any paycheck. I've invested, I mean, a couple hundred thousand dollars we've lost just building all this stuff. And all of a sudden I'm telling, I promised her and my daughter, this is going to work. And all of a sudden, like, like all those fears and emotions, like I just failed. Like I failed my brother, like, cause it was my idea and he believed me. Cause I like, Hey, look at these other companies. They've done it. They're making the pressure. That was like, take a deep breath. We went lobster diving and just like thought about it. And you know, some of the best ideas happen out in the boat and on the water and just getting away from the computers and the, 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 just life. And uh, so we're like, all right, what can we do? It's ads is clearly not the answer. So we have traffic. Traffic's one of the toughest things, right? I mean, you can have the best product in the world, whether it's your TV show or a podcast or a book or a fishing lure if you don't have traffic and eyeballs in an audience, it's not really, it's tough to make it a go at it. So we had, we had the traffic. So we'd solve that problem. So like, all right, what do these people want? Like, how can we serve them? And one thing that we saw was working was our how-to videos. From day one, like we focused on knots. My brother's more of an engineer type and he loves testing knots. Like we just tied the knot our grandfather and our dad taught us, just believing that was the strongest knot. And Luke's like, I'm actually going to like scientifically test these knots and see which ones are stronger. So we did knot contest. People loved it. And then Luke started going out with a GoPro on and filming his trips. And I know this is controversial, maybe for some of your listeners who you don't want to give away your spot, especially maybe hidden rivers or certain areas on rivers. And you just don't want to see people out there. When you're fishing a place like Tampa Bay, it's not that big of a deal. And, and we're so focused on trends, not spots. And like we hammer that all day long because most people believe it's about the spot and inshore saltwater fishing. Where are the spots? Where are the spots? Give me that spot. And yet fish move around. Last time I checked, spots do not. I mean, fish are migrating and they they're all have the same biology and they wake up thinking, all right, how do I eat and how do I not get eaten <laughs> by something else? And so anyhow, like we, we focused on trends and Luke started sharing some of his best spots. Like literally taking like GPS it, coordinates. Oh yeah. Whoa. I know. Okay. And all right. just at a really small group because people had asked for it. So you're asking like, how do we make a business? So people said, Hey, like I would pay you to kind of show me where you are and how, and how you fish the area. Cause you know, you can give us, you can get a spot to someone, but if you don't tell them why the fish were there during that specific time and then how to approach them, I mean, based on the tides and the, and all the different pattern, weather patterns and everything you can imagine, then they're probably going to get skunked and frustrated. And right. It's the same reason a fishing guide in Florida can stay in business, even though they might take 200 people out a year. Like, the people know their best spots, but there's a reason the fishing guide does a lot better than, than them. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, that was one side of it. And then we had apparel, hats and shirts and things like that. And we were like, man, not enough people are going to pay for this. And it's not scalable. Like my brother can only, and my brother can only fish and same with me. We only fish so much and kind of show this behind the scenes stuff. Let's focus on apparel. And we had all these people and we had a lot of family friends who loved us and they were proud of us for, you know, trying this. And we were honest with them. We told them like, hey, we failed, you know, with the whole ad traffic and this whole ad, ad platform. And, you know, we love your support if you want to buy some apparel. 
And they did. Were yeah. you happier than you were at your other job? Or were you just so stressed out you couldn't be happy? I, I was happy because I love a challenge. I was super stressed. I was more stressed than I had been in a long, long time. Did that make you less happy than you were at the other job at the time? I still think I was happier just because I, I, I could still see it. Once again, if you can solve the, the traffic problem, I, I knew there was some way to monetize it. But I, yes, I was stressed out. I once again, the worst part is letting your wife down and your brother, like people that were counting on you. And I told them, cause I'm the sales guy. I'm like, this is going to work. And six months later, like you just get like that dagger, like this was a complete bomb. Yeah. So that was the worst part, but I wasn't, I still felt more fulfilled cause I felt like it was still our calling. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I felt like I knew I was doing the right thing and and I saw that people loved our stuff. And we, and we had all those eyeballs and we had all these testimonials of people saying, you guys are awesome. Like, we love you. We want to support you. So it's like, I knew we were still going down the right path. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And then the apparel started taking off and we did 5,000 in a month, then 10, then 20. And then like at 20, you need some help. So we hired a full-time girl named Samantha. She rocked. She was awesome. And she got us in gear, like all the way up to $35,000, $40,000 a month of apparel. Oh, my God. Crazy, right? That is insane. And so now we're high-fiving again, like, yes. And so we had one month, we did 55000 of salt-strung apparel. So there's a lot of salt-strung apparel out there, right? And not, not a lot of people know this because we didn't reveal our numbers. No, of course and, not. But it's not like you're designing shirts. I mean, you, this is logo wear. You got it. Yeah, this is us finding a manufacturer and white labeling our so logo. People on. are doing that because they want to support you. 100%. And yes. because they want to be kind of part of your team. Yeah, right? yeah part of the movement of, yes. Yeah, because yeah, our whole thing from day one was we're not, we, do, we take zero sponsors and we're just two guys. We're not guides. What was your movement? Uh, for us, Apart it was getting, from content. Yeah, yeah. For us, what I told you from the grandfather, it was, it was, Stories. it was memories. Yeah. It was basically getting more, we believe the world would be a better place if more people were outside fishing doesn't mean they're catching fish. I hope they do, right? But I mean, just the aspect of getting outside fishing. You've got a young child. I have three now, and I'm watching what's happening with these kids. My my daughter, who is seven, guess what she wanted last year for Christmas? An iPad, because yeah. all of her friends at seven years old had iPads. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping we can make it past 10, because we, of course, told her no. But good Lord, like all these kids are inside all the time. They're stuck on their devices. So like we believe if we can get more families uniting like outside creating memories the world will be a better place yeah so that was the that was the movement from day one and it started with how-to videos and then the apparel it's hard not to want to support that i i think so yeah. thank you yeah so here's where it gets bad again because we had never done apparel before and we kept saying yes this is a great lesson it started off with just one simple shirt not this one but one of those just long sleeve polyester performance fishing shirts screen printed shirt uh it was it was sublimation so okay yeah. a little bit higher end but nice and better the, for the environment yes so st- but still the same thing so sure. we're selling that that's number one seller and then of course other people ask for other colors and i want full camo and we're like yeah we'll give it to you and all of a sudden we had all and some of the men and women wanted v-necks and like all these different styles and all of a sudden we have all this stuff and we were sitting on like hundred and thirty thousand dollars of inventory mm-hmm. and some of it did well and some of it just sat there collecting dust and then when you start selling 50k a month guess what happens you get a lot of returns you get a lot of pissed off people i mean stuff happens. We're like, we got to hire another customer service person. So now we got two customer service people. We're selling apparel, which we had no business doing. And like, we were now miserable again because like it, we started not creating content because we were so busy putting out fires. We're like, dude, we haven't even fished in a month. Like a month, we, we had one month that went by and we didn't even need to fish a single time because we were putting out fires with apparel. Yeah. We're like, this sucks. And there are many, many fires. 
Oh yes, with apparel and and a lot of uh, and shipping post. Oh my god! I mean, U.S. post is pretty good, but I'll tell you, Australia can can Canada's post is the worst. It's enough to drive a business under. They're all super expensive. They're all too. pretty frustrating. Yeah. So, and then looking at those numbers, people hear that like your listeners might hear, man, fifty thousand, like that's a great living. But you know, you still have to factor in all that inventory and the cost of two employees and all the stuff. And at the end of the day, there wasn't really that much left for us. And it went against the whole reason why we started this in the first place, which is for us to be able to go fishing out there and create memories with other people and create content for them. And so it got back to the the drawing board. It it really did. And so it's tough to say no to that. But now so we're we're a couple full years in, maybe even close to three at this point of, you know, since we met you that very first couple of months we started. So we're doing well, like we have cash coming in. This is awesome, right? I mean, that's, it's a lot of money still coming in. So it made us feel good. We have the audience still and we had some cash. So like, all right, what else? And that whole time, remember I told you earlier about my brother kind of not necessarily selling his spots, but more just teaching people how to go fish a spot. Cause it, that really was what it was about. I was like, if you're coming here to get the spot, then it's not going to work for you. This is all about understanding the trends and how you can go recreate this in your area. Mm-hmm. And so people kept buying that even though we weren't marketing it. And it, it, I guess the best analogy here, go back to fishing magazines. They've been around forever and they've been great, but fishing magazines over the years have just gotten thinner and thinner and thinner. And they're mostly ads, right? And there's still some good tips in there, but by the time it hits your doorstep, you know, it's 60 to 90 days old, right? So we said, all right, what if we kind of recreate what, what fishing magazines have done, which is have a community of people that all like kind of the similar stuff for us that was inshore fishing in Florida and have a subscription for it, but give them real time, like on demand, what's working now. So we teamed up with some other guides. So we got some other pros on board and basically covered the entire state of Florida for people doing how-to content on what's working right now. Less focus on the spots and more on the trends. Like why are these bait fish in this area of, you know, Vero Beach, Florida right now? And why are these fish here in the panhandle uh, right now? And which way are they moving? And so it was all based on trends. And all of a sudden it started to take off without subscription. subscription. Yeah. What were you guys charging a month? Uh, nine, nine bucks or 97 up front. Still the same price today. Okay. We have a couple levels now. So we've, we've had some people who just want more, like they want these mastery courses we've created. Yeah. But yeah, so it's like Netflix, Netflix. I who, think who's your competition back then in fishing? Um, that's a great question. So the competition was, I mean, it was, it was fishing magazines, if anyone, just mm-hmm. because it, it, it was a subscription service, right? Like what about apps though? Or apps, sorry to cut you off. I just yeah, yeah, had a thought, like aren't apps the big competition and were there any at that time? Not, I mean, I don't know of many apps that are focused on the how to, cause our, it was still like, if, if someone had asked us what we were, we were an online fishing club focused on education, focused on all, it was a hundred percent how to, like that was how we drew people in. Sure. So, you know, we have, I don't know today, like 90,000 subscribers on YouTube and we don't ask for subscribers. That's just completely organic. We're not, a, we're not YouTubers, but that's just from putting constant con, you know, content out there on like my brother's not contest. And here's how to go out there and catch a redfish underneath a dock using a gulp shrimp or whatever it might be. And so we have all this free stuff. And in the end we say, Hey, if you want more of this and you want to see behind the scenes and have some coaching and you value your time, then, then join our club. And this is, this is, so some of your listeners, cause I know my own dad, who's a, who's a lovely guy and supports us a hundred percent. And he's like, boys, he's like, I don't get it. He's like, why would anyone pay money for what you guys are doing when all this stuff is out there on YouTube? It's a good question. Yeah. It, and, and I was like, Dad, let me show you something. So we go up to my computer and we get on YouTube and I type in how to catch a redfish. 
Guess how many different videos came up in that search? How, I would think lots. A hundred and like fifty-seven thousand. Right. The very first video was like thirty-two minutes long. And it was just two good old boys in Texas. Like it was a pretty entertaining, but you didn't learn anything. Yeah, and there's that, a lot of that, and you've got to sift through it. It's time-consuming. There's that's garbage. A, I don't have time for it. So here's the deal, April. Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't got no time for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we we have a hundred and fifty-seven thousand videos. And the first one's 32 minutes, the next one's like nine, and then like a two or three. And I said, Dad, let's assume the average video is five minutes long. And we did the math. I actually got on a calculator and did it. And it came down to 2.1 years if all you did 24-7 was watch, you know I'm going with this. And I was like, Dad, how much is your time worth? And he's like, I get it. It's like, we have a redfish mastery course, and it's, it's 15 years of like how to catch redfish knowledge all boil down into three hour course, like step by step, like literally we've had people who have taken it and like actually entered a tournament who were just normal weekend warriors. Like it's legitimately great stuff because it's all focused on the biology, not the bait or any of this goofy stuff that everyone wants to sell you. It's like, understand the fish. It's what you do, right? Think like a fish. You can't just use the same fly for every single fish you go after. Like you have to think, why would they be eating a certain size fly or a certain color fly or whatever it might be? What would you charge for a mastery series? So that one was like 56 to $97. We have different mastery series. And so now the subscription you mentioned earlier, like that's all the behind the scenes stuff. That's the new new content going up every day. And we have coaches now, like, you know, seven full-time employees. Like we're 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 cranking out the content, both wow. free and and you know, behind the paywall. This episode of Anchored is brought to you by Careof, who is offering 25% off to anchored listeners. Careof is a subscription service that makes it easy to get customized vitamins, protein powders, and more delivered straight to your door. With summer in full swing, I'm even more inspired to match the seasons and get my health back on track. I'm busier than ever these days, and the last thing I want to do with my spare time is go to the store to stare at walls of vitamins that I really know nothing about. Careof takes a lot of the mystery out of how to get started. Their website starts you off by taking a quiz that asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices so that it can help you customize the best vitamins and protein powders for your needs. I actually really enjoyed filling out the five-minute quiz and felt myself becoming more inspired by the minute, a stark contrast to the exhaustion I feel when trying to sift through online information or information at the pharmacy. The questions that they ask help you find out your personal, scientifically-backed recommendations and is now new and improved to learn if you are getting enough protein, fiber, and good fats. From here, it helps you determine if you can benefit from Care-of's new natural protein powders, which have clean labels and are made with organic ingredients like cocoa and Himalayan pink sea salt. Care-of makes sure you're getting vitamins and protein from the best sources that are backed by honest guidance and transparency. Your personalized Care of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month and is great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle. Again, Care of is offering 25% off your first order if you get started today. Simply go to www.takecareof.com and enter Anchored at checkout. Do you get criticism from people saying, you know, but it should take you time to be able to accumulate that knowledge on your own to become a better angler rather than oh, sure. just having it spoon fed to you? Yeah, I think I think the, the the most hate mail we receive like that is usually from fishing guides. Oh, a hundred, no know, question. Which doesn't no shock question. you. And I, I think they have a great point. Um, but our it ties in with our mission is getting people out there fishing and like our ideal customer, even though we have them like you have people who don't just fly fish, you have people that just love fishing. Our ideal customer is a weekend warrior 
who values their time. The, the example I just gave you with Redfish, someone who's you know maybe making 100,000 a year and has kids and maybe either doesn't get a fish as often as they want, which is pretty much everybody, or maybe is only gonna get a hall pass once a month and just wants to maximize their time. And they're willing to get a little, a shortcut, if you will, or an edge to go out there and catch more fish. But yeah, it's it certainly, um, I, can, I can see it from the guide's standpoint, but at the same point, I mean, we believe in the whole rising tide lifts all boats. And what we've seen from our community that we've built up with all these thousands of people who now pay you know, a monthly or annual fee and buy these courses is that they're actually going out there with more guides. Like, Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, guides offer access. You got it. Right. And I don't want to buy a boat, but I've got no problem spending $97 for a mastery series. You got it. But now I'm, I'm going to, I want to be the best angler I can be so that I'm not wasting either of our time. You got it. And, and, it's, a, and it's a confidence booster too, to be able to watch a three hour mastery course to see like someone actually doing it. Cause it's not just a classroom setting that gets kind of boring. So you get to see some classroom stuff on just understanding the biology and the tides and then actually see someone fishing an area. Like that's, that's a huge confidence booster. See, and for me as a guide, when I used to guide, if somebody could take a mastery series, I would want them to do that because that means that when you come fish with me, we don't have to waste time with that stuff. You got we it. can focus on catching fish, but that also then translates into now I've got new marketing material. Yep. Now all of a sudden I've got testimonials. Now I'm getting more bookings. Yes. So you can see it from that angle as well. So, and some of the guides don't like me saying this, but what I've seen throughout this whole journey we've been on is that a lot of those have kind of that scarcity mindset. And the ones that have the abundance mindset are actually like, calling us and teaming up with us. They're the ones who are out there helping because what they've seen it do for their business is like, holy crap, you have all these people. If you're willing to spend a hundred dollars a year on an online fishing club, you're and, and you really want to get better and you want to maximize your time, don't you think that they're probably spending money elsewhere on fishing? And so we have some guys now who are actually after the uh let's just say you and three friends go out and you you love it you had a blast you're like where can i learn more and now they're referring people over to us and we're giving them a referral fee i mean they're now maximizing their boat because they they know these people want and guess what what's probably going to happen some of them are going to go back with them again because they referred them over and that's we're seeing it happen now so those people you know meaning those guides have that abundance mindset and that's that's been pretty cool but yeah that's certainly the most hate mail we've received is from is from guides May I ask how many subscribers you have? Yeah. Not so, on YouTube, but on your website? Paid subscribers. Yeah. So we have 8,000 8, in this club today that are, that are paying, like paying members. We have 100,000 or 120,000 free subscribers who are on our weekly newsletter and stuff like that. And what, what we're finding, like, because we look at a lot of the numbers. I mean, we're online marketers, essentially, and who just happen to love fishing and love this community. And what we're seeing is we have people that come in from the free knot guides and some of the free, like we do a lot of checklists and PDFs, just the stuff to simplify it for someone. Like here's the lures that you want to use in Florida during the summertime, for instance. It's completely free. Just give us your email. So it's a way for us to start a relationship with you. And then we email them every single week, our little newsletter. And guess what's the call to action on everyone is to come join the club. And we have people that'll be on our newsletter for two years. And we just keep flooding them with love and just giving them help and just subtly asking over and over again to join us. And they finally join. And so now we're in our third, it's yeah, officially our third year of, of this club. And the majority of people are renewing. Now, now what's really interesting they came in because of the spots and the trends and the mastery courses, but they're sticking around because of the community. We never saw that coming. I mean, we, we, we get to see what they're clicking on. Like, I know every email that our top customers, so we look at this stuff, we're like, this guy or gal has been with us for three years. 
they have access to every single mastery course and they haven't clicked on a single thing yet. They keep, and they're super active in the community and it's because they're making friends. Like they're going out fishing. Like some of these people have legitimately like best friends are hanging out with that crazy. Is there like a forum or something? Oh yeah. 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 So now it's, yeah. So I never even finished the whole, how this has evolved. So now it's uh it's a private, I, I don't call it a forum. It's more of a, how about discussion this? board? Yeah. Well think of it like Facebook meets a forum. So you have a wall that's constant revolving like Facebook, but it's super organized. For instance, I can pick my region. So if I'm in the Tampa Bay region, I can only decide I want to see Tampa Bay posts, like what's happening right now in Tampa Bay, or if I'm uh, in Texas and I want to see that, or if I just want to see everything. So it's got filters and categories. Hmm. It's all custom building. We spend a ton of money. You would have. That's very expensive. There's a lot of drama on there. Do you deal with any of that on your site? No. Yeah. And that's, that's why people are coming back. So that was another big weakness we saw. So we have a Facebook group that's like, I think it's like 60,000 people on our private Facebook group. And our rule from day one was no drama, no negativity, and even no cursing. But here's what I found online. And I, I curse, by the way. And I drink beer. We're having a beer right now. But what I found when you're behind a computer, a laptop, and you're dropping an F-bomb, it's different than you and I just having a casual discussion. Mm-hmm. You literally have to spell it out and hit enter. Like, no, no, it's worse than that. You have to spell it out, <laughs> and then your autocorrect corrects it with ducking, and then you have to re- return back to it and type it in again. <laughs> oh, I, I know. <laughs> because when I use that word in a message, it's it. supposed to be there. So what I found online is it, it never adds value to the conversation. And normally when you, if you're saying it with friends, awesome, it's in a text string. Great. But when you're on a private or public or any kind of Facebook group or forum, you're usually getting heated with a person Absolutely. and it never yeah. adds value. And so we just said, you know what, we're, we're done with that. And so with one reason we built this custom app, one is to kind of merge that forum in, in the Facebook wall. Cause we like that. And it, people, people are used to it. Uh, and it was a bit more well organized and, and broken out by regions. But we paid our developer. Did you know there's like four? I think it's fourteen thousand different curse words and versions of them. That crazy Whoa. and just slang words because you have you know crazy words in Australia and Canada and like even though they're similar, they might be spelled differently. Or, yeah, yeah. So he uploaded the sucker in there, and you literally cannot curse in our community. What and does it do? It just does the dot 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 like the bleep. You know, like uh, what's oh, like on like Facebook, a, how does the dot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and people love that. Uh, well, it's a safe it's a safe environment for younger people to be on as well. Then, oh yeah, which is what we're encouraging. Like we we want the whole family. Like if uh, let's just say you joined and your daughter is old enough, let's just say she was sixteen at the time. Like we don't want we don't ask her to go pay a subscription. Like you, we want the family to be a part of this and feel like it's a safe place. And even if you're at work, which a lot of people are at work looking at this stuff, we we want them to be confident that they you know if the boss looked over their shoulder, you're not going to see a bunch of boobs and stuff popping up and cursing and oh, a so lot you of guys the, also censor that. Oh yeah, heck yeah. We, Jeez, we that's just, hard to do in this. Now listen, Florida's got that the culture. Yeah, yeah, and, but, and, and a lot of it is sex and a lot. Of it is just truly just fishing in a bikini, and it's yeah. a very fine line of difference in between. Here's what we found, April. We call it the the credit card test. I'm very interested right now. The second, because we have the private Facebook group, it's free. You know, anyone with a with a pulse and a Facebook account who who signs up and like agrees to the rules can join. And we boot people out all the time for porn and everything you could possibly imagine. The second they put their credit card in, even if it's for a dollar trial. 
something changes, something in the mindset, the psychology. Now they have my address. Like all of a sudden it, it literally... The anonymity is gone. Yes. So in, in the three and a half years we've been doing this, we've kicked two people out. We gave them their money back and you said, I'm sorry, you're not a fit. And they weren't doing porn. They were just, they were cursing and they were just, they were negative on everything. They were ripping on people and all oh, that fit. You were holding up to it. Like we don't have time for that crap. Yeah. Like here's your money back. Adios. And, and not only do we do that, we make a point about like, we'll do a little video and, and just to teach people, Hey, we don't tolerate this stuff. And it has nothing to do with being Christians. Like this is, no, this is the come out kind of community we want to build. Yeah. And we believe in like loving each other and being helpful. And if someone asks a question, don't tear them down, like help, help each other out. Yeah. It's a supportive community, which back circle back. That's why people are sticking around. And we never would have guessed in a million years. So there, no one's joining the community. Like a lot of people don't even know it's there. You didn't know it was there. A lot of people don't know we have that fish brain piece of it. They're coming in because the mastery courses and all the how-to and the spot dissections. Like every week we just pick a random spot on Google map and just dissect it and say, here's where hidden structure is. Like showing them how to read an online map to find better fishing spots in their area. People love that stuff. And then they get in the community and like, holy crap, people are really helpful here. And about 10% of our members are guides. The, the same abundant you know mindset guys that are just literally helping out. They log in every night and they answer questions and help people out in the region because they're seeing what's happening. So have you had to hire content creators? Yes. I mean, there's some of our full-time employees. I mean, are essentially creating content every week. Yep. Because every day, that's a lot of work. A lot of work. What is going on in the video with the window, out of the window? The snook. Yeah. The balcony. What's the story behind that? Oh, gosh. So we that was our office. Like, that was our office view. So we were pretty much, you know, we were all, we're an online company, but we still had to have a place to ship stuff out of, but we didn't really have enough going out because that was, that was right after we got rid of the apparel. So we just had like decals and some small stuff going out and we're like, you know what, like, let's just get a one bedroom apartment in a really cool place where we can actually launch our kayak. So they had a kayak launch right below, like right where that snook gets landed. There's a little beach there and you can launch your kayaks there and our paddle boards and like literally catch tarpon in downtown Tampa. Cause that's the Hillsborough river. Like tarpon go right up in there. So it was like, this is so cool. And we got a great deal on it. And we're sitting there. It was, I think it was, yeah, it was a Monday and we're having our Monday call with, with Tony and Tony's one of our, our content guys, one of our creators that fishes on the other side of the coast. So he kind of takes over that Titusville mosquito lagoon, Indian river. He's like our expert over there. So we're talking to him and I get like real antsy. I can't sit down for too long yeah. and I'm standing up and I'm going by the window. I was like, Oh, and I, I hit Luke. I was like, Luke, Luke. I, hit, I said, hit mute. And he hits mute. And I was like, dude, there is a snook right down, like literally right down the beach. And he looks up. He's like, man, there, you see, he's like, there's two of them. I don't know if you watched the whole video, but you can see two snook. And we pointed out both of them. And he, as I mentioned earlier, he's a better fisherman than me. Much, and it's a, it's a, it's about a. We measured. It's about a hundred, hundred or so foot cast. It's a pretty long cast. And we happen to have one rod and one little DOA jerk shad. It's not not well a little sixteen one sixteenth ounce weighted hook. It's so not that all much. you had kicking That's around. All we had. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you don't know how long the snook's going to hang there. So like, let's go for it. And he misses it the first time. Like makes a pretty good cast. The second time, I think he hit like the tree and stopped. And then the third time, he did it. And I'm holding the camera like I'm like shaking. I was like, "This is it." And that iPhone like zoomed in perfectly. And all of a sudden, it nailed it. And like you could hear me scream. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And so I, I you know, when something's kind of going to go viral and like it's going to be cool. And I forgot the one of the funniest part. Like we we hung up on Tony. We're like Tony, we, we gotta, gotta go. we gotta Sorry. go. There's something really important. We'll call you back. So we called him back. He's like, dude, Luke just landed a snook from the balcony. The crazy part though, if you've seen the video, like 
all of a sudden it's hooked and we're like, well, what the heck do we do next? Cause he's fighting this fish in the balcony. And we had an intern, brand new guy right out of college. Actually, I, I guess he was full time at that point. Will dude, go downstairs and like, let's figure this out. And so Will's down there. He's like, just throw me the rod. And Luke literally drops the rod down from three floors and he happens oh to my catch God. it. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which you just, you do anything at that point. Like the, yeah. the camera's still going. It's on my iPhone once again, like this is nuts. And he lands it. Luke runs back down to land it and release it. It was so cool. And so we took it live that night. It was a quick edit because it was just, you know, one clip. And then the next day it went crazy. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the pros and cons of how easy it is to share and swipe people's stuff. So my friends from back in Atlanta were calling me and they're like, dude, it's on the front page of the Weather Channel. What? Like the front page of the weather. Because they do viral stuff. Sometimes it's kind of funny especially if it's like in an era they happen to be featuring, which was Tampa at the time. Like, yeah, young man catches a snook from the third floor balcony in Tampa. So my friends like texting me like, dude, you're on the weather channel. And then ABC <laughs> news picked it up and like, all, they had like 15 million views or some crazy number just on theirs. And of course the, the, the thing that kind of ticked me off is one half of them didn't even give us credit, like give us a backlink or something. It's your job to know that. Yeah. Too. And then, uh, you know, at the end when we actually said, we actually say salt strong and they cut that part out. I was like, come on guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, it, it brought us a ton. I mean, a ton of new viewers. And I mean, when you have something go viral like that, that's just completely unplanned. It, it's pretty cool. I mean, people at ICAST, we had this Asian guy come up to us. I don't know that he spoke any English and he recognized my brother. He's like, you catch fish from the balcony. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, that's us. So funny. Oh, that's classic. So yeah, people recognize him a lot for that. So, so are you happier now? Oh yeah. Thrilled. I mean, getting to do something I love I mean, with my brother too, right? I mean, how cool is that to do something that we've talked about? I'm 40 now, as I mentioned. We talked about this in our teenage years when we were out in the boat every, you know, basically every time that we could, like having our dream job to be in the fishing world, not knowing what we're going to do and failing miserably two times. Forward. Failing forward. I love it. To get to a place where I'll, I'll just, I'll be candid with you for the people who also wonder, because you mentioned earlier, like, could, could we have done this right out of college or maybe skip college? And we burned through a lot of money and a lot of hard times and a lot of like talks with my wife. Like, is this really, is this, am I meant to do this? Is this really your calling? And I just, and my gut was telling me it was, and we're having fun. And the testimonials, the ones that keep us going are the mom or the dad that sends us like a message with a, especially with a picture. And it says, thank you guys so much. I just created the best memory with my daughter. Like someone who was addicted to her iPhone, never wanted to go out with me. And we just caught a fish because of something I learned from you guys. And so, I mean, that's what keeps us going. And I was circling back around to this. So Last year was the official end of full, three full years. We just paid taxes for the first time in three years. And we celebrated like freaking crazy. Meaning we it was actually our first time we actually had enough to pay ourselves and have a little bit of profit left over. That was year three. Yeah. So the first two years... We, we, a lot of people don't realize, I mean, no. most business, a lot of businesses takes five years. You got, it. I mean, you said you Same. were year four or five and yep. it was, and, and so the first two years we literally paid ourselves nothing and people are like, Oh, at least you didn't go backwards. What the heck do you think we were doing? We were, we literally spent money and literally did not pay ourselves a single paycheck. It's one thing to tell your wife, you're not going to give your pay, a pay, but all of a sudden things happen. Our son was born and like basically barely made it. I mean, he had technology and not been there, like he would have been dead. Like there were, you know, many, many, you know, days, couple weeks in the NICU, like, and, you know, all of a sudden you get a $200,000 hospital and insurance pay for a lot of it still 10 K out of our pocket. Like, 
all these things kept happening. Another daughter, her, her appendix burst, oh. like this stuff that's just so unplanned. And all of a sudden, like just five thousand here, ten thousand here. Like we we burned through everything. Like it got to the point, like we we seriously had our old four hundred one k and like not much else left. And not many people know that. You know, they they see and same with you. They see where you are now. Like oh yeah, and, and I'm sure you're doing better than you were. You know, six years ago. But yeah. <laughs> still, it's like people never talk about the struggle and the persistency and working every single day. I mean, crazy hours to do this, but now it's the most rewarding thing ever because of what I just told you, because of those memories we're helping create in these people who are, I mean, proudly wearing salt strong because of what we believe in, what they believe in. And the cool part is I'm 40. I mean, I hope I get to do this, you know, forever. Like our, and I don't want to ruin your question if you haven't, you know, down the road, but our, the future plans, like we just want to keep, literally what I was just, we just about want to, to keep growing you. this thing. Like, I, I think at some point, just like we're not the best at apparel, you know, we figured it out, but we weren't good and we didn't love it. I think a lot of companies, like we can get it to a certain point. And if we really want to scale it, maybe nationwide, because right now we're basically Texas to Virginia, because that's really where you find redfish and speckled trout, snooker, obviously in Florida, but flounder, all those inshore species and black drum are usually in those states. And so the same kind of techniques and biology applies. We say a redfish is a redfish is a redfish, whether it's in Texas or Florida or North Carolina. And that, that for the most part, that's true. And we've proven it. We've flown all those places and used the same techniques, same lures and proven it. So if we ever want to scale that out to California and way up the East Coast and in even freshwater fishing, we know we're probably going to need some help. In a perfect world, we find just an amazing partner that can help us get there where we still are the faces of it and still have the majority ownership and maybe just have you know some investment help. So, Could you ever go back to something else? Let's say tomorrow your company was shut down. Yeah. Just say for whatever reason, yeah. unfortunately. Could you, would you be willing to take a mega pay cut to be, you know, still be doing fishing or something you love? Or would you, would you end up going back to what you were doing before? Oh gosh, no, no. You don't think you can never. do it? No, I, we're going to be in the fishing world. I mean, we're one, we're seeing the impact that we're having. And two, like it, I feel like this is, this is our calling. Like, I feel like our job is to get more families out fishing and unite them and, and, and bring more, honestly, kind of love in this world. And we're making, I told you about some of our most popular podcasts, like our number one was about anxiety and alcohol. And then we talked a little bit about just faith and some of the issues in the world with social media and all this comparing me versus him. And like, those tend to be some of the best ones because it's on everyone's mind right now. And so we're, we're basically just using fishing as the catalyst, you know, really the vehicle, if you will, to, to unite families and bring people together. And so... Uh, I mean, it's a tough question. I hope that never happens where all of a sudden it ends. But I, I think one thing I've always struggled with is one, the conservation, but you know, two, how, how do we get more kids out fishing? The, what was the recent stat that like 50, at least in America, 50% of people who are fishing today are over 50 or 55 years old. I mean, half of them. And at some point, if you hit 65 here, like in Florida, you don't have to pay for a license anymore. I mean, and at some point you get old enough, you either die or you can't fish anymore. And so that young generation is not fishing like they used to, like you and I did going out, at least here, we went out and use my mom's garden shovel and pick worms and stuff or sand fleas on the beach. And you don't see as many kids doing that these days. Yeah. And it's Um, a, it's a tough one because now they've got things like drone fishing and ways to bring them in with electronics, but I'm still wrapping my head around how I feel about that stuff. I know. But it is, and, and I know you've talked about this quite a few times too. It's, it's like most, the guides don't, they want to stay busier, but they don't necessarily want like 
fishing to double in size, right? Mm-hmm. And same with you. Like you don't want the same rivers and streams that you love and mean so much to you to be packed with people, but at the same point, you want more people fishing. It's a fine line. It's a balancing act. It is. Yeah. But if these young kids aren't fishing, they're not going to give two rats behinds about protecting it. Like I think a lot of people who are on the opposite side who don't like hunters and, and, and fishermen, they think that, hey, just stop fishing or stop hunting altogether and conservation will fix itself. But I, I don't, I personally believe that's true. Like I think, and I t- I've told this story before to our audience. So we were living in downtown Tampa in Hyde Park, right across from the water, really cool little setup. We'd lived there for about a year. And my neighbor had an 11-year-old son, and he knew I was into fishing, and, and he's kind of an outdoors guy, and we were chatting. And he's like, man, let me tell you a story. He's like, this scared the heck out of me. He's like, we're at a field trip in central Florida. One of the kids in the class had a big farm, a ranch, whatever you guys want to call it. So 100 or so acres, and they're going around like with hay in the back of the trucks, like the old school. And the adults are in the, you know, the front of the trucks, the kids are in the back, and they're just kind of going down an old dirt path. And all of a sudden, this girl starts screaming, like something like they thought maybe she got bit by a spider or a wasp or something, like screaming, stop, stop. They stop the truck, like, you okay? And once again, an 11-year-old, she pulls out her iPhone and takes a picture of a dead tree. She literally had never seen a decomposed dead tree before, and she wanted to put that on an Instagram page. I'm not lying to you. So in Hyde Park, for for those of you who know where that is in Tampa, it's a really high-end place. It's kind of like living in Beverly Hills for Tampa. Everything's perfect. They don't let weeds grow. Like If you live there your whole life, and this is very affluent people who might be the next Politi- might, she might be the next president of the U.S. And so I told that story because it hit me so hard. I was like, man, there's a whole generation of, of boys and girls just like her who have never been out hiking before. Can you imagine? No. 11 years old, and she's taking a picture of a dead tree to put on her Instagram page. And I was like, let's just say she's the next mayor of Tampa or she's the next politician, and it comes down to her desk to sign something that's either going to protect, let's just say, a fishery or... Um, something that has been public lands and it's going to come down to her, her, her signature to say yay or nay on, do we keep it and protect it or do we build a parking deck on it or a new hotel? And if I were her and I never actually experienced that and I saw that this is going to bring in a ton of money and a ton of jobs, I would pick the hotel. That's like the big, the big fears. Like we have this whole generation at some point, you and I are going to be old or dead. And that generation is going to be making the rules and the laws and conservation will be out the window. I mean, money has a lot of power. And if they're now the new lobbyist and they're literally controlling the entire country or world, fishing and hunting and all that stuff, public lands go completely away. And so like, that was the one story I tell it all the time as much as I can because it sticks with me. And the same reason my four-year-old daughter, she might not ever love fishing. I hope she does, but right now she doesn't. But she loves being out there with dad. She loves being out there with her siblings. And I, I, I think in her situation, just having those memories in the back of her head, she would protect an area like you know, that we fish you know, on the weekends in our house. Whereas had she never been out there, she's on an iPhone, she's like, who gives a crap about that? It's just a bunch of old weeds and some alligators and snails. Like, who cares? Yeah. So, I mean, it, to, to, to me, our duty, not just as humans, but like my, like we feel like that's our calling is to, to unite the families, get them out there, and hopefully that next generation is fishing or at least just loving the outdoors and helping protect it. Because otherwise, like my biggest worry is that there's an entire generation of young people like this girl who lives in a very affluent area and is probably going to do something with their life who's not going to have two crafts about anything outdoors. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you so much for listening. 